Hello, family. We're Bob and Penny Lord, and we have an extraordinary story to tell you about an extraordinary super saint, Saint Teresa Benedicta a Croce, or Edith Stein, as she is also known. Auschwitz, work makes us free. That lying, blasphemous sign stares you in the face as you approach the entrance to Auschwitz. You walk through the gate, and the silent screams of those who went before you greet you, and you are in the midst of horror. We want to tell you briefly of a nun whose only sin was that she was born Jewish, Edith Stein, saint, Carmelite sister, convert from Judaism, author, philosopher, scholar, humanitarian. Edith Stein was born in Wroclaw, Poland on October the 12th, 1891. Her parents came there searching for a better life for themselves and their children. The year that she was born, Edith's birthday fell on the holiest day of the Jewish calendar, the Jewish Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Edith's mother took it as a sign her child was highly favored with Yahweh. Her father died, and her mother became head of the family, working and yet very much a mother in control of the home and her responsibilities as a parent. She was a strong woman, a religious woman, going to synagogue with the older children on the Jewish High Holy Days, but she was not orthodox. Always a brilliant student, when Edith Stein turned 17, she entered a girls' high school in Breslov. At the same time, in another part of Germany, another teenager was failing an entrance exam to the Academy of Arts and already blaming it all on the Jews. Edith Stein enjoyed a life filled with brothers and sisters and loads of aunts, uncles, and cousins. This would play an integral part in her formation into a warm, compassionate adult. The other teenager, the young Hitler, an orphan without a family, was already an angry dissident. Feeling no commitment to anyone but self, he was hiding in Vienna trying to avoid being drafted into the Austrian army. Edith Stein entered the University of Breslau in 1911, registered in the Department of Psychology, and for two years she was unable to pray. She called this a period of atheism. She had always been an individual, strong-willed, with her own mind. The Lord would use this later on when she would need these qualities to bring about his will. She loved to learn, but Edith looked for answers in psychology. When she found it was unable to provide itself with a solid intellectual grounding, she turned to philosophy in her pursuit of truth. Edith Stein turned away from God. She believed as long as she and her friends stuck together, they could overcome the evils she saw taking over the world. God placed her among Jewish intellectuals who had become Christians. Although she considered herself an atheist, she found herself seeking truth. And she later wrote that anyone seeking truth is in reality longing to find God, whether he knows it or not. Although she never spoke of converting, she was on her way to Christ in seeking the truth. We cannot help but reflect on the paths of the two we're taking, the martyr and the murderer. As Edith Stein was reaching out trying to discover the truth, Hitler was captured, arrested, and brought to the Austrian consulate. One of Edith's friends died at the front, but before he did, he converted to Christ. When Edith reached out to his wife at the funeral, instead of a grieving widow, she found a woman filled with peace. Adolf's wife was able to console Edith rather than be consoled by Edith because of her faith in a living God and a loving God. Although she had found the crucified Lord whom she would follow to her cross in the witnessing of this Christian, it would be five years before she would convert. Edith was always involved with humanity, her fellow human beings. 
Meanwhile, Hitler was writing in his first manifesto, because of the crimes the Jews had committed, they were to be removed from their midst. On January 20, 1942, there was a conference attended by high-ranking officials of the Third Reich in Berlin, where it was decided 11 million Jews were to be exterminated. Most of her friends had converted to the Lutheran faith, but what kept her from converting was she really did not know which church to join. Then she read St. Teresa of Avila's autobiography, and she said that she knew this was the truth. The Catholic Church contained the truth, our Lord Jesus Christ himself. As St. Teresa of Avila had been influenced by St. Augustine, we see the never-dying words of truth, only now through St. Teresa influencing another future saint. Edith walked the difficult path between loyalty to her mother and her growing awareness of this God who was growing inside her. January 1st, 1922, she was baptized. On the wall by the font, there is a plaque dedicated to her from Kings. A loaf of bread and jug of water have been placed at the feet of the sleeping Elijah by the angel who bids him. Get up and eat or the journey will be too long for you. The heavenly bread awaiting Edith at the baptismal font, the Eucharist, enabled her to ascend the Mount Horeb of her life through the gas chamber, where she died for her people and her faith. Her life changed after her baptism. This well-known intellectual left the university and taught in a remote Dominican school for the next eight years. Edith would have become a religious immediately after her admittance into the church, but her spiritual director judged she could do more out in the world as a prominent laywoman. Edith began to lead the life of a religious, reading the office daily and the Psalms. She not only poured through Holy Scripture, she faithfully digested her breviary. She was passionately in love with the entire liturgy of the church. The girl who had always been good became holy. Jacques Maritain wrote, How can one describe the purity, the light, which shone from Edith Stein at the time of her conversion, the total generosity which one felt in her which was to bear fruit in martyrdom? After Hitler unsuccessfully tried to overthrow the government, he was imprisoned, where he wrote Mein Kampf. How would he be able to stir up hate and division, lay blame? Tell the German people that the Jews were not created by God. Hitler proclaimed that only the Aryan was formed in the true image of God, and the Jew was molded in the image of the other, the direct opposite of God. How can anyone, with an ounce of brains and a soul, accept this as anything but the ravings of a madman? I don't know. But for whatever reason, some did, and the end began. Edith pursued knowledge of her Catholic faith. Realizing her intellect was not an enemy to believing in Christ, but a gift from the Father, it enabled her to help others to understand him. Adolf Hitler became Reich Chancellor of Germany. Edith Stein was asked to step down from her position at the university. She became aware of the impending persecution of her people and herself as well. Two months later, there was an anti-Jewish boycott instituted. Edith Stein could have fled, as many German Jews had, seeing the handwriting on the wall. Instead, she chose to go to the cross for her people. She wrote she had told her Savior that she recognized it was his cross that the Jewish people were being made to carry, and that those who understood must accept it with all their heart for those who did not. After 13 hours spent in prayer in church, Edith Stein made her decision to enter the Carmel because she believed with them that she was called to share joyfully and freely in Christ's redemptive suffering. 
She offered up her prayer and her life not only for the persecuted, the Jews, but the persecutors, the Nazis. She felt that if she did not pray and offer her life for the immortal souls of the Nazis and for the remission of their sins as the Savior had come to all mankind, who would? She was living out St. John of the Cross words, God sustains and is present substantially in every soul, even that of the worst sinner. She wrote to friends telling them not to be afraid for her as God works out all things for good. Not only was Edith to look toward the cross for her people, but she was to walk the painful way of the cross when her family objected so vehemently to her becoming a nun. On the feast day of St. Teresa of Avila, October the 14th, 1933, St. Edith Stein entered the Carmel in Cologne. But as all of us know who have had to leave precious loved ones to serve the Lord, it is bitter herbs mixed with sweet honey. Edith Stein, did you feel the pain that your mentor, St. Teresa, felt when she said goodbye to her beloved family? Edith Stein took the religious name Teresa Benedicta Acruce, Teresa Blessed by the Cross. She shared with a spiritual director that she chose that name because it represented the one who had led her into the church and the Carmel, St. Teresa, and the role that she, Edith Stein, chose to her Lord through the cross. She never forgot her Jewish roots. She had begun writing life in a Jewish family, sharing the emotional pain of separation from loved ones. This was to be a tribute to her mother, giving her full credit for all she had ever been, was, or would be. She also wanted to share with the youth, deluded by Hitler and his henchmen, the true makeup of the Jewish people, not the devious, tainted picture that had been painted so that they could be manipulated into hating and harming the Jews. Edith Stein took her first vows in 1935. When asked how she felt, she replied, like the bride of the lamb. That year, the Nuremberg statutes imposed grim decrees. Jews were no longer considered citizens and lost all legal rights. Marriage to Jews by Germans was prohibited, punishable by law. With spring of 1936, there were new beginnings, only they were not the beautiful blooms that pleased the Lord, but the strangling weeds of hate and division. The Nazis marched into Rhineland, and with them, hell. 1936 was to be a year of pain and joy. When her mother died of cancer and Edith could not be with her, she thought surely she too would die. Not even the joy of celebrating the feast day of the exaltation of the cross and the renewal of her vows could stop the ache in her heart. She later said that she felt the presence of her mother beside her. Her sister Rosa was also baptized at Christmas. And so the way of the cross once again led to resurrection as Edith witnessed new life for her sister. Edith could see that the pieces were coming together, the cross, the inevitable cross. Edith completed her great philosophical work, Finite and Eternal Being, but it could not be published under her name because she was Jewish. When they suggested bringing it out under the name of a Nazi sympathizer, she refused. This great book, like all great books, could not be buried. In 1950, it was finally published and won worldwide acclaim. Like lava from an erupting volcano, Hitler and his forces of destruction spread to Austria in March of 1938 and on to the Sudetenland in September of that same year. As he was fulfilling his vow to the enemy of God, Edith Stein was taking her final vows. In April of 1938, when she stood before the altar of God and her whole community, she abandoned herself totally to our Lord through his mother. 
often she was spotted praying before the picture of Our Lady of Suffering. She was not praying for suffering. She just knew that one day she was to walk that way of the cross with Mother Mary and her son. She believed that only by standing with Mother Mary at the foot of the cross, your eyes on the crucified, can you win souls for Jesus. She She wrote, Today I stood with you beneath the cross and felt more clearly than I ever did that you became our mother only there. Even an earthly mother faithfully seeks to fulfill the last will of her son. But you became the handmaid of the Lord. The life and being of the God-made man was perfectly inscribed in your own life. So you could take your own into your heart, and with the lifeblood of your bitter pains, you purchased life anew for every soul. You know us all, our wounds, our imperfections, but you know also the celestial radiance with which your Son's love would shed on us in heaven. Thus carefully you guided our faltering footsteps. No price too high for you to lead us to our goal, but those whom you have chosen for companions to stand with round the eternal throne, they here must stand with you beneath your cross." And with the lifeblood of their bitter pains must purchase heavenly glory for those souls whom God's own Son entrusted to their care. It was the beginning of the end. Synagogues were torched, the Jews' homes and businesses demolished. It was mass havoc and desolation. The parents tried to keep their fear from their children. They were like people sleepwalking. They never for one moment thought that this could happen, but they had hope. As they were rounded up and led to the trains, they thought they were going to another area to start life anew. They even had to buy their own train tickets. Many purchased from the Gestapo homes in the new village where they were relocating. They even had deeds to their new homes with them, and some had legal papers showing ownership of businesses they had purchased. They tried to bring all their treasures. They carried all they could as they were being jammed into cattle cars. They were heartbroken, leaving the village of their birth and their families before them, parting from friends and often family. But it was not new with the Jewish people, and they would survive. Thirty to 40,000 Jews were sent to concentration camps on that infamous day when God held his face in his hands and cried. The madman Hitler had told the German people that he was just relocating the Jews to another place. He never mentioned killing them. That's why many Germans had a problem believing this outrageous act against God ever happened. But Hitler and his demonic masterminds had already set up those camps as far back as 1933. Edith feared for the lives of the nuns at the Carmel where she was, and the nuns feared for her life. So on December 1933, she left for the Carmel in Holland. Although she never showed it outwardly, her writings and poetry show the agonizing she did over the way the world and Hitler were heading. On January the 30th, 1939, Hitler threatened the Jews with total annihilation if they were the cause of another war. March 25th of that same year, Hitler declared Poland should be totally subjected. He was just freeing the Germans under Polish rule. And besides, it all really all belonged to the Third Reich. He was only planning to gain land from the Poles, which really belonged to Germans. It's amazing how many countries conveniently justified Hitler's words and actions. They looked away as the blood began to run down the streets, and the wailing of the women of Jerusalem could be heard, and is still heard if one has ears to hear. In Warsaw, we stood before the monument rising high into the sky, remembering the brave uprising of the Warsaw Ghetto. 
It was a tribute to the Jews who had fought bravely but futilely when the Nazi Gestapo came to get them. There on the arch which still hovers over the spot where the Jews were forced to board trains to torture and death, their sign reads, Those who ignore history are bound to repeat it. On Palm Sunday, Edith Stein wrote to her prioress, Dear Mother, I beg your reverence's permission to offer myself to the heart of Jesus as a sacrificial expiation for the sake of true peace, that the Antichrist sway may be broken, if possible, without another world war, and that a new order may be established. I am asking this today because it is already the twelfth hour. I know I am nothing, but Jesus wills it, and he will call many more to the same sacrifice in these days. June of 1939, Edith Stein wrote her last will and testament. She joyfully and peacefully offered herself as a sacrifice for the glory of God, for the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary, for the intentions of Mother Church, for peace in the world and the salvation of the German nation, and for her family both living and dead. Then she declared as a testimonial of her complete abandonment to God's preordained will. September the 1st, 1939, Hitler invaded Poland. The rest of Europe had turned his face away as Hitler took country after country. They made excuses for the evacuation of Jews, the enslavement of Czechoslovakia, Austria, and the Sudetenland. Their thinking had been with each conquest that the beast would be satisfied. They started with the concept, better one than all, but the one turned into another one and then another one until he walked into Poland. A few days later, Edith Stein wrote, Holy Cross, Hail Cross, our only hope. Edith Stein's sister Rosa came to the Carmel in Holland in 1940 and became keeper of the door, welcoming and also screening those who wanted to speak with the cloistered nuns. She desired, like her sister, to become a religious. But before she could become a Carmelite nun, Hitler invaded Holland in May of 1940. Therefore, she became a third-order Carmelite. September the 1st of 1941, although Edith was a religious and Rosa a third-order Carmelite, both sisters were ordered by the, <clears throat> the Gestapo to wear a yellow Star of David inscribed Jew. It didn't matter. They were both converts to Catholicism. When Hitler started his persecution of the Jews, all the Christian churches protested. They were warned that if they continued speaking out against the treatment of the Jews, Jewish converts would be rounded up and placed in concentration camps. All the Christian denominations ceased at once. All the churches, that is, but the Roman Catholic Church. And so the persecution spread to priests, bishops, and religious, those who had converted and those who dared to defend them. Edith Stein's words were coming to pass. The slaughter of the innocent was covering Christian and Jew alike. Edith and her sister were required to report to the Gestapo periodically. One time, Edith Stein greeted one of the soldiers with the traditional German salutation, Praise be Jesus Christ. He just stared at her. Edith Stein said she had no choice but to utter those words. It was as if she could see in the eyes of this soldier the battle being waged between, between principalities and powers, the raging struggle of Lucifer against Christ. The prioress of the Carmel wrote to the Carmel in Switzerland requesting they admit Edith and Rosa. The Carmel only had room for Edith and she would not leave her sister behind. Edith's writings began to show clear evidence that Edith was, in addition to her holy attributes, a mystic. Some of her writings were way to know God and science of the cross. She wrote, Thus the bridal union of the soul with God for which it was created is purchased through the cross, perfected with the cross, and sealed 
for all eternity with the cross. Eventually, the Carmel found a place for Rosa, a home for Third Order Carmelites. They had only to wait permission from the Dutch authorities. Edith Stein did not want to die, but she did not shrink from persecution and dying. She prepared herself for that eventuality as each day and each piece of the puzzle fell into place. July 1st, 1942, the Nazis decreed that Jewish Catholic children were no longer permitted to go to Catholic schools. The bishops in Holland wrote a pastoral letter to be read at all masses protesting this treatment of innocent children. They also came out strongly against the deportation of Jews from their native land. On August the 2nd, the Nazis ordered all Dutch Jews converted to Catholicism arrested as well as any Dutch Catholics of Jewish descent. Edith Stein and her sister were picked up that evening. Dutch citizens stood at the front of the Carmel, incredulous, grief-stricken, helpless. They heard Edith Stein say to her sister Rosa, Come, let us go for our people. A god later testified that Edith went among the prisoners praying and consoling them, grieving, uh, giving them hope in that God who never forgets us. Imagine their surprise to hear a Catholic nun speaking to them as a Jewess. When mothers became crippled by fear and hopelessness, Edith Stein cared for their children, bathing them, dressing them, feeding them, and nurturing them with her generous love. As she was filled with peace, she transmitted that peace to all around her, bringing a little bit of heaven into the darkness of hell all around them. On August the 7th, <clears throat> Edith and Rosa Stein were transported to Auschwitz. They, with thousands of helpless Jews, were jammed mercilessly into cattle cars to make the long ride to hell. Many died before they arrived in Auschwitz. There was no air in the cars, no water or food for days. When one died, the others had to remain with him in the same car. A man later testified that on his way to Russia, his train stopped to be refueled in a railroad yard in Breslov. A train pulled up alongside. When the guard opened up the door of one of the cattle cars, people were heaped on one another like bundles of rags and others squatting, swaying back and forth listlessly. There was an unbearable stench. Moaning and wailing of men and women were interrupted only by the pathetic crying of little children. He added there was a nun dressed in brown with a yellow star of David on her breast. She said, it's terrible. We don't even have containers to relieve ourselves. Then, looking forlornly off into the village of Breslov, she said, this is my home. I'll never see it again. We are going to our death. Trying to contain his feelings, he asked her if the other prisoners knew. She responded, it's better for them not to know. He said that the train was marked as going to Poland. In 1948, when he was returning from camp, he said that he read about Edith Stein, and when he saw her picture, he knew that this was the nun he had seen and spoken to in Breslau. A welcoming band greeted them with German folk songs. They were told to disrobe completely and were handed soap and towels. They were led to cottages where they would, were told they would be deloused. When the guard asked the mothers trying to hide their children under their clothes until they came out from the showers, they replied, they were afraid the disinfectant would harm the children. Assured this was nonsense, the mothers led their children into the cottages with them. When some of the prisoners became aware of their fate and refused to enter the gas chambers, they were clubbed and thrown in. The guards carefully silenced anyone who gave the slightest evidence of hysteria, lest they incite a riot. They really had very little to fear. Most were too weak from the long, arduous trip to stand up, no less to fight. For Edith and her sister and all the others who had survived the days of unbearable heat locked inside the airless cars, the walk from the train stop to the cottages was a long, hard one. Edith thought that the guards would choose them to work in Germany. 
That's what they did with strong, able-bodied women. It was the beginning of the implementation of the perfect plan. The Nazis learned all too soon that they could not handle the hundreds of thousands being herded into the camps. They came upon a plan to use Cyclone B, a bitter, extremely poisonous gas that was supposed to kill those trapped within in 15 to 20 minutes. Before they died, their lungs, their throats, their esophagus were set on fire by this powerful acid. It was a horrible death. But when Edith and her sister arrived, the Nazis had not yet perfected this method of exterminating defenseless men, women, and children. The guards had not thrown enough cans of cyanide in the airtight sealed cottage, and so when they opened the door 24 hours later, they were still alive. They threw in more cans. We stood on the spot where the cottage once stood, the torture chamber where Edith and her sister, along with other martyrs, went to their horrible deaths. All that remains is a small sign where a harmless-looking cottage became a house of horror. Because she and all those who had been chosen to die were killed immediately, there were no records. It would appear that the world would never know what had happened that dark and ugly day. But the Lord would not allow his bride to be lost in a maze of shadows of the valley of death. Our father wants her story to be told, as well as of the events that led up to such a massacre of humanity. The world is poorer because we have been cheated of loving, talented, committed saints like Edith Stein, Sister Teresa Benedetta Croce. The Lord will not allow them to die in vain. Their cries will not be silenced. God will not allow us to ignore history. Edith Stein was one of six million Jews and four million Christians who was murdered, who were murdered while the world looked the other way. On May 1st, 1987, Edith Stein's sister, Teresa Benedicta alla Cruce, was beatified by Pope John Paul II. The Lord will not allow her song to Mother Mary to go unsung. Today I stood with you beneath the cross and felt more clearly than I ever did that you became our mother only there. Those whom you have chosen for companions to stand with round the eternal throne, they here must stand with you beneath the cross and with the lifeblood of their bitter pains must purchase heavenly rewards for those souls whom God's own Son entrusted to their care. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply, with your iPhone or Android device, go to the App Store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app, and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel, where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN, plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.